coming and thriving. Today we have Dr. Chinenye. She is someone I've known for a very long time. She's a GP in the UK. She is a mom of two, amazing and just a very lovely person. But I want her to introduce herself and tell you what she's passionate about before we start today's episode. All right, Chinenye, over to you. Hello, everyone. And hello, Tony. Thanks for having me here. My name is Chinenye. Some people call me Yvonne, whichever you're comfortable with. I'm a mom of two boys. I have a son with special needs, particularly autism. And I also am a medical doctor in the UK. I'm currently a GP trainee. So it's more of a GP specialty trainee. And um, I'm very, very passionate about parenting children with special needs, not particularly autism, but every other form of special needs like cerebral palsy, Down syndrome, children with other forms of genetic disorders. I'm very passionate about it. And so, yeah, I'm here to just share with you on personal experiences, what I've learned over the years, both formally and informally. So, yeah, thank you for having me on the show. Thank you so much, Chineyen, for that lovely introduction. And I'm so glad you mentioned not just autism, because some people are not aware of some of these conditions, but I'm glad we're going to touch on some of them today. Yeah. But before we go into parenting, let's talk about you. Tell us a little bit about Chineyen. How were you as a child? Yeah. What were some of your fondest childhood memories? memories. I know some of them, but I won't say anything. I want you to say them. Um, I see. Okay. I'm the second of four children. Um, I grew up in Lagos, Nigeria, and I was just one happy child, really. I think my first, like my first few years, like up to like five years old, I didn't really have, um, pictures that would show me smiling or happy or whatsoever. I don't know why, but as the years progressed, I started becoming that happy, you know, child. But one thing I remember about myself really as a child was that I used to get in trouble a lot for telling the truth. Um, and sometimes I just wouldn't know how to sugarcoat narratives. It was just something you say that. that <laughs> I, yeah, I just say I, I get in trouble. I remember one time there was this guy that was toasting my auntie because my auntie was living with us. I think she was doing NYSE or something. And this guy was toasting my auntie. So my auntie saw this guy from upstairs. She saw him through the window. Then she sent me downstairs to mm-hmm. go to the gate and tell him she was not around. I won't lie to you. I went downstairs and said, she said I should tell you she's not around. The guy just started laughing. <laughs> so, when I went back to meet my husband, said, this girl, this girl, you said. Obviously, she had to go back. And I honestly did not know that I had done something wrong by saying she yeah. said I should tell you she's not around. You know, I should have just said she's not around. around. She had to deal with this guy. So yeah, I used to get in trouble for just saying it as it is but obviously as time has progressed i started learning political correctness filter oh yeah. to be politically correct these days. <laughs> days yeah so we don't offend anybody so yeah that's that's me basically that's chinenge okay so what about your school years so there's a story you told me that comes to mind when we were in school um about someone called movement do you remember oh, that story that someone got? <laughs> when we were swimming, 
challenges of life they went through but like having to have a loving family even in the midst mm-hmm. of the storm that they were going through and you know mm. wonderful siblings support system playing like you don't care i miss my childhood to an extent i won't lie to you and i really mm. think my children would have a glimpse of even though yes they have a wonderful childhood but like have a glimpse of what childhood back in nigeria back when nigeria was nigeria i i totally agree with you there, there was a part of like you said back when nigeria was nigeria that before i moved to lagos i used to live in benin and that was yeah. one of my fondest childhood memories just being around playing outside the weather was good interacting with the neighbors, neighbors climbing the trees, trees exactly. the trees for the fruit to calm down the fruit to calm down you pick it up, you put it in a yeah. bucket, you wash and you binge on the fruit. Yeah. Oh, it was Absolutely. amazing. It was amazing. Yeah. Trees, there was this fruit, we used to call fruits back in Lagos. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's called fruit, but I think it's almond. It's um, almond fruit, but we, in, in Benin, we call it a belebo, but it okay. is almond fruit. Because when you break that fruit, the seed inside it, is the almond not, nuts that we yeah, eat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, back then, yeah. as a child, we'll take sticks and just, you know, hit it and then it falls whoever is brave enough to climb but obviously we won't dry that up or we'll we'll throw our slippers to just hit the fruit for it to come down and that was like that was the innocence of childhood then you know Mm -hmm. outside that's uh, anyway as we talk that's uh, things i would like to share because it's really important children learn through play and this is some form of passive learning that they get to understand nature, they get to understand the beauty of life and forget about the hustles of the mm-hmm. world, you know. So, yeah. To touch on your point, would you say now that a lot of kids are indoors all the time with their iPads, do you think that has an impact or knock-on effect on the increase in what it seems like special needs cases? Would you say that there is a, a, a link I, or maybe? A link. Okay, so scientifically, I don't have every, any evidence, but I've watched some documentaries of them insinuating about children losing the ability to concentrate. So the more time that they spend on screen, you know, they're really, really focused, keep scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. Their attention level is getting more and more depleted, sort of, because they are focusing more on that thing. So what I understand, I don't have any scientific evidence to point that if not i would have confidently said that but i feel like children playing outside engaging more with nature going outside there are so many skills that they develop first of all they learn to appreciate nature okay Mm -hmm. 
their confidence level because they're going out of their boundaries they're going out of their borders so you, you talked about climbing the trees now okay mm-hmm. how many children are confident now to climb the tree you know there's this mm. fear, there's this fear mm. in them so they won't want to take that step that bold step they learn different things so they learn through play by engaging with nature and even if you look at this month i don't know if you're aware of this montessori form of education approach yeah that's the kind of idea they want the children to go outside also to engage you know with most of all this nature so i feel like children will have a better form of intellectual development sort of when they start going outside to engage more but yeah 100% just that it's really tough these days yeah but there's been even as a teacher I've noticed a lot of my students struggle with keeping attention 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 is a big thing it's a big thing because a lot of them on average they spend hours on TikTok because I teach teenagers they spend hours on TikTok constant short reels and it's like their mind is constantly bombarded with information so to ask them to read like a a three-page essay it's like they struggle to it's difficult. It's difficult. Yeah. And I'm wondering yeah. what the knock-on effect of this will be in a few years. So as, as parents, I think we have to be really intentional about uh-huh. screen times and just constantly finding a way to engage them with nature, engage them with yeah. the environment. I was, the, I was reflecting on our childhood as well. Um, sorry, mm-hmm. I'm going back to Nigeria. But I remember like a typical Monday, for instance, we wake up, you go to school, we play, have short break. You come outside and play. You are outside, boys mm-hmm. running, girls playing, and they're creative. And the, the teachers leave us to play. We go back inside. We eat, we do our schoolwork. Then come out for lunch break. After eating, you go outside and play. So you have like two sessions of play, right? Go back to um, class again, do assembly, and then go back home. TV comes on by four o'clock. Do you remember NTA? And you see that mm-hmm. multicolored line, and then we are waiting for NTA. You remember? And then yeah. we we watch our shows, maybe max, maybe like four to like six or so. Then we have to start getting ready to wash up and get ready for, di- for bed. Bedtime. And even that four to six, most of us will not even sit down and watch all the whole shows because we'll watch more, we'll go outside and play with our friends, come back again. So you could see that in your childhood, your screen time exposure was minimal compared to what our children are having now. Children mm-hmm. have access to iPlayer um, so they can do catch-up. They have access mm-hmm. to YouTube or Netflix for children or whatever. And they have a longer time of exposure to the shows, you know. So you know how you would watch one episode of... Mind me. Let me say Tom and Jerry now, whatever. Um, um danger mouse you remember danger, danger mouse, mouse exactly so imagine watching <laughs> one episode of danger mouse maybe like 20 minutes that is if it's up to 20 minutes you know yeah but now on iplayer we have for instance thousands of shows thousands, thousands of shows then they have multiple episodes you know so you have mm. they have spent so much time trying to watch it i remember my son was watching bluey there was a time i saw my son watching bluey I think it's an Australian cartoon about this dog. And, you know, he watched multiple episodes. And by the time I, like, when I came out and I saw him, he was zonked out. You could see the exhaustion on him, but he couldn't come out of the screen. I was like, what is this? 
what is this? No, mm. no, 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 no. This I, I, it's not like I, I don't want you to enjoy your show, but there should be a limit to this because I need hundred percent. I need your cognitive function, and you're still young. I don't want your brain cells being damaged. <laughs> you know. So yes, that is, that, that is where we are in present. Day. That's where we are. That's where we are. But there is also actually. I don't have the research as well, but I actually read somewhere, it's just that I can't remember the exact paper, about um, for children less than two years old, if they're constantly exposed to things like Cocomelo, which everybody watches, well, most people are watching. Like, those shows are very highly stimulating shows, and it keeps them engaged, but the issue is it actually slows down normal cognitive development, like, in a way that some, so there's been an increase in Amount of kids having speech, speech, speech delay. I don't delay. know about ADHD, but speech delay. Speech delay. Good. Yeah. So it's like yeah. it's constantly because their brain is constantly fed, and if you look at those shows, there's so many colors, there's so many actions, so many movement, mm. and I think the natural process. I, I'm not a doctor again, but mm. for children less than two, it's like it's meant to. They're meant to. Their cognitive process is it's different rapidly, from us as yes, adults because it's rapidly developing they're rapidly it's yeah. at that phase it's rapidly developing so you need to engage them you need to be them, able to in, engage the children you know stimulate in that a 3d format in the fact that as an adult you're interacting with them as opposed to because the screen is passive there so and you know back to autism when my son was transitioning from infancy to toddler phase I was mm. working full time in the NHS. I was doing like four nights in a row or four long days in a row. So, and my husband too was working as well. And this was an only child. So, he spent a lot of time on screen. The likes of them, Coco Melon, Families, Little Baby Bomb, he would sit down on screen. And there was no time to really, really engage and, you know, stimulate him. Like, you know, just talk. Imagine mom coming back from mom is exhausted. All I wanted to do was just sleep. Totally. You know? And that too, that coming back from work, all he wanted to do was sleep. Um, so, less is hard. I'm not, I'm not blaming myself for it. <laughs> I'm not no, you myself. shouldn't. No, you I'm shouldn't. Definitely not blaming myself. However, what I'm just, it's a reflection, like, what would have done better and that is why i'm applying it to my second child now <laughs> actively mm-hmm. like interaction i started interacting from my baby from my womb talking to the baby mm. stimulating that like i know that you have it in here i need those language centers active i need your speech centers active i need you to start talking and i can see and like i said i have no scientific evidence this is my mm-hmm. own personal application to it some people ask why is it that immigrant parents you know people who have come from like nigeria or whatever to mm-hmm. the uk or america for this greener pasture or economical improvement why is that you see that their first children especially the children that they give birth to here mm. most of them have delayed speech now mm. As soon as you said that, I have about five people in mind that just crossed my mind. I never really made that connection. Many mothers. Keep going. Now, Mm. I have no scientific evidence, but this Mm -hmm. is my own theory. Most parents are out to hustle. We want to make Mm. this, we want to pay the bills and all that. We love our children, but 
we feel that our nanny is Coco Melon. We feel our nanny mm. is Little Baby Boom. And so you see, if you look at it, if you identify it, they leave their children. I'm talking about first children. They leave mm. the children on screen and they crack on with life. Maybe one nanny can come and look after that child. That nanny too doesn't engage that child well. So the child is left to figure out how to speak on his own. They don't know because we have to be active in, in and again, if you look at these parents, most of them that come, you see that they don't really have that much time with the children because by the time they come back, they are so exhausted, so stressed out, you know, and sometimes they don't even take out their stress on the child, shouting, maybe the child is coming, throwing a tantrum for attention. They might just take out that stress on the child, shout, you leave me alone, you got to say I'm tired, leave me alone. The shout on that child. I feel like we need to take out more time in actively engaging our children verbally, 100%. communicating with them. In Nigeria, mm-hmm. another thing is our culture. In Nigeria, we don't talk with our children. We talk at children. Some pa- you know that some parents don't even engage yeah. their babies. You say, ah, we put people. Yeah, they are, they are talking to you know if you <laughs> if you're even in pediatrics world, if you're in pediatrics world, you see how these people it, with the babies oh Lily oh you're crying okay don't worry I'm going to give you a wash now I'm going to wipe your bottom you know they're talking to Lily little Lily is looking at the nurse talking to her and somehow little Lily is getting the words and she knows the words words. and little Lily knows that one day she's going to be able to use those words too and little Mm. Lily will say oh hi thank you she's going to but in Nigeria if you go to the pediatrics ward how many nurses will you see talking to uh, little Bola little Bola okay don't cry what will you hear in in Nigeria (laughs) you are crying Eh, yeah, okay, you see now. <laughs> you know, I, I, what I'm trying to say is so like we need a, also a, a reevaluation in our medical system in Nigeria. In Training the society also in general. In the society in general. Ability to interact with children. Mm. Don't talk at them. Do you understand? I remember when yeah. you were small. I I don't know about you. When I was a child, my my uncles or my mom they are gisting, and I go and you you are, you are joining seniors gisting. You are talk, joining seniors uh, uh, gist. You know you know that kind of thing. You don't feel like you should mm-hmm. be able to engage there and then you're yeah. So that, because they don't see that children have emotions or children have feelings and all that. So these are all the little little things I have picked up here and mm. there yeah and I, I think I'm, I'm i'm trying to reverse the case or the narrative you're speaking i was thinking that the fact that you've had the experience in yeah. both in the nigerian setting and the uk setting you actually have a holistic view on which things we can improve on from the nigerian setting because remember we started about highlighting how fantastic our childhood was yes. so the, in the in growing up in nigeria has its advantages but then yes. the areas in terms of how we interact and be improved in how adults interact with children but yeah. then also in the uk setting the fact that everyone is hustling no one in no neighbor is really saying hi to each other people kids are not out in the street interacting 
that also creates a hollow. That also creates a void. Yeah. So both both parts actually have things that needs to be improved yeah. on. I think. Yes, yes. And I think, especially those of us that have come to the diaspora, I think we need mm-hmm. a strong community. And 100%. That for a strong community. Even if you are living in a, 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 an area that you feel you're the only one, the only black person or the only African try mm-hmm. to build a community it's very important you can organize play dates mommy's mm-hmm. day and it can be relieving it's even good for the carers without the mother or the father's mental health as well mm-hmm. if, if i bring my child to your son's place they could play and interact spend more time you know mm-hmm. birthday parties don't take it for granted don't take children's day for granted halloween uh, christmas whatever it's celebration it is always try so that these children too they can pick up from one another because my children my children don't know the children next door and it's not it's not it's not how i grew up even when we grew up and our parents were hustling at least your next door neighbor's children you're there to go and play football with you're there to Mm -hmm. play 10 10 with but our children don't have that luxury and that's where our own intentionality comes in place it's a strong community and let's go back a little bit when let me take you back to when you first learned or found out that your son has special needs what were the first things that came through to your mind how did you feel mm-hmm. at that moment mm-hmm. right so um just a quick background my pregnancy was absolutely normal. I didn't have any problems with my pregnancy. I didn't have any pro- problems with delivery. Delivery was swift. And my child, we didn't even need any admission. It was discharged as soon as possible. And that was fine. So the perinatal phase was very beautiful. Infancy was fine as well. I didn't have a clue. Mind you, I was a first-time mom. So I had no clue. And it's very important I bring this back because... We're trying to reason out the possible causes of autism and why we have autism today. And also, you understand that, like, if you don't really know what the possible cause was, and you can carry on with your infancy, the boy was fine, he was doing well. Where I knew there was a problem was during the transition from infancy to toddler phase. I knew mm. that I would call him and he won't answer. You know, he wasn't making eye contact, he was just in his own world he was just he was he was there but he wasn't there if i put it that way but i just carried on with life and i said you know what he will outgrow this phase maybe it's just a phase there are times that he would want to get my attention and he would be banging his head on the wall and i felt that was a bit odd i can't understand why you're banging your head on the wall but that was a form of attention seeking as well but where I got to that realization. I broke me down. It was where I put him in nursery. He started nursery. And the, the nursery manager called me to tell me that they started raising concerns. One thing about the system is nobody will come and give you, you know how if you have malaria, you will do a blood test and you say, oh, you have malaria. You have that diagnosis. Here is kind of, there's a way they win you as a parent, into that diagnosis. So it's not one day that you get a diagnosis and say, oh, your son has autism. So they kind of like hint you and you kind of have that psychological build up to commit to the realization that your child mm. has special needs. And so she hinted me and she told me, oh, 
he's not interacting with other children. He's on his own. He's in his world, you know. Then they started raising concerns about him not eating. Then one day like this, eh, I just went and read on the autism and I saw like so many of the red flags in my in my child. And I was like, what is this? That day it was just me and my son, right, in the house. And my husband had gone to work. I just carried my son. I put him in one room and I went to the other room and I fell down and I was crying. I was bawling on every ground. I was crying and I was telling God, God, forgive me. God, forgive me for all the sins I've committed. Don't let my child take my punishment. Like, obviously, Mm. I'm I'm a a woman of faith. And so, uh, you know, all forms of emotions. What will happen to his future? Will he be bullied? Is he going to have a good career? Is he going to do this? I was crying. What will people say? You know, like, I was just all over the place emotionally. And then I kept bawling. And after that, and thankfully, he wasn't there in the room. Maybe I put him in another room. I just stood up, cleaned my eyes, mm-hmm. stood up. And I went to my son. And I was like, okay let's do this like let's do this yeah I, I, I your like, boxing gloves on as I was like, let's this do this yeah and i'm yeah. going to fight for you mm. and mind you 100 percent because reactions reactions are different some people mm. have acceptance some people start with denial my mm. husband was in denial full-blown denial you know and bless his heart he too because we're both new parents in fact at least i had an advantage i had nurtured my sister's children or my auntie's children so i have had mm. an idea of looking after children you know what i mean but he a nigerian guy what's his own he doesn't you know do all those things so when he came to his own first child he was in denial i was like no nothing it's not from my son and I've asked a lot of mothers about this, like what were their father's reactions, like the fathers of your, the father of your children, or whatever. And they say, eh, my husband said there's nothing, you know. And it's not because the men do not care about their children. Probably they are just in denial at that point in time. It was. It took mm. a while though before he got to acceptance. But you know, that day that I fell down before God and I was crying. As soon as, I mean, God didn't come down from heaven to say, yeah, it's over, wake up, clean your eyes, you know. I cried, but I knew that when I stood up and I cleaned my eyes, I got strength and I was ready to face mm. this thing called autism. And yeah, and it's been a wonderful ride, you know. It's had its challenges, but it's also mm. a beautiful thing. I didn't ask for it, but... I am not like I don't regret one bit in this journey. Mm. Do you understand? Mm. I love I love my son to bits. And if you try my child, if you try, I will come and tear you. <laughs> <laughs> I will tear you. <laughs> oh my. That's you why know. I said that your box your boxing gloves is yeah. on. You are yeah. ready for this. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, you know, I, want, I wanted to touch on this because as you were speaking, it just came to my heart. You said God didn't come down from heaven. God didn't need to come down from heaven because God is inside you already. Yeah. God yeah. is inside yeah. you. He's enabled you to do this. So, oh. You know, and, you know it's, it's very important we understand this because back at home, some people may mm-hmm. see this as a curse. 
Some people will mm. say, oh, don't jazz on stigma, you. Stigma, the stigma, the stigma around it. So you, as two, two people are affected in this narrative, the child and the carer or the parent. You as a mm. parent, you are ashamed to care for your child. The child on his own suffers neglect on every side. Mm. There are narratives mm. of parents that lock their autistic children in their houses. Mm. And so yeah. the life of that child is wasted indoors. Let them go out. Let them explore. Let them learn. Things. And these children, they learn. You'll be surprised. You'll be surprised mm. at how these children learn. Let me give you an example. One day I was busy working. My son, obviously, he needed to do something. And so I drew a house. Okay? I drew a house. Mm-hmm. And I gave him his crayon. And I said, color this for me. So I went to do whatever I was doing. And I came back. This boy did not color this page. But that house... He added some windows to the house. He drew another door. He drew a fence. He drew the sun. Mm. He drew the, a bird. He drew the, like some grasses there. And then I was like, I know I told you to color this, but you've made me see this house in another dimension. I only dimension. drew, I only drew, a, house. Wow. Wow. I only drew a house for him wow. to color. Oh, he drew like so many other things on that. And I started, oh, wow. So yes, this house actually needed a fence. Yes, there's a garden. It needed more windows. There's a sun there. There's a bed sitting on the fence. Beautiful. He improved your drawing. Yeah, you understand? Your drawing. <laughs> you understand? So they see the world mm, in a different and now i'm talking about autism even down syndrome children with down syndrome i'll give you another example i remember a a a lady telling me about her younger brother that had down Mm. syndrome in nigeria and they went to church and the pastor was preaching and this boy just stood up in the middle of service and just walked up to the pastor and gave the pastor a hug as in oh my god as in so he, he, that boy just showed another form of compassion. Like, you don't know whether that person actually needed a hug. You don't know, like, mm. you know, there's, there's this compassion. So these children make you see, I know we are all fixed on the typical world. We're all fixed on achieving, doing this. But they make you slow down and mm. see this world or see life in a very beautiful and different light. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't know why. Like, yeah. I'm so excited about no, no, no. it, but that is it. Like, no, no, no. You know what? Your thank, your thank you for sharing because one of the questions actually I wanted to ask was what are the positive things about autism? Because oh, everyone yeah. highlights the challenges. I know it is challenging, but what you're, so without even asking my question, you're saying it already. What is the positive yeah. thing about autism? They make you see the world in a different dimension. You see the world in a different way. Mm-hmm. For instance, now, imagine you looking at... Imagine you're looking at um, the light now, okay? And the child is just fixated about all that light. In his head, he's not just seeing the light. He may be seeing streams of rays. He's seeing another flashing. But you, mm-hmm. your mind, like, oh, my friend, come, let's go. But they're seeing another thing. They're seeing something more beautiful. And they want to focus to understand what they are seeing. They may not be able to communicate their needs to you. Maybe they may be throwing tantrums and all, but you in your own way, you have to learn how to be empathic and communicate with them. So you, 
old yourself, you are now becoming a newer version of yourself. So oh, if you had not, oh. if you had not, if, if I had not had this, like my son, you know, if I had not had this autism journey, right? Mind you, I was raised in Lagos. Lagos, you know, we have this aggressive. It's not even. Oh possible. yeah. We have this, that's how I've been. I've been there, like full of energy. <laughs> my son has trained me in mm. two major things in life: empathy and patience. Empathy and patience. Empathy, I start to see, I, tr- I try to put myself in that child's shoes. Jeez. Like, what is, he, what, what, is he, what is he going through at this point in time? What is he trying to communicate to me? What is it, you know, you put yourself in that child. Before marriage, before motherhood, if I see a child throwing tantrum, I say, where's your mommy? Don't you need some smacking? You know what I mean? <laughs> And not because I'm a, a, a terrible person, but that was our that was our natural Nigerian upbringing. That was baseline. Yeah. Obviously, most of us have had the privilege of crossing the shores and then coming to see that life is not as oppressive and aggressive as we have known it to be in that part of the world. You know. So mm. yeah, empathy and patience. I'm patient with my not just my child. I'm patient with children with special needs because when i see when i see more mothers like uh, so many of my friends when they're talking about their their children and all that i can understand where mm. they're coming from or you know mm. i can understand yeah so it, it, it teaches you a lot it makes you a better you and also helps you in caring for that child and seeing the world the way they see the world yeah so what do you think we can do as a community? And even I'm thinking about Nigeria now, like how can we begin to get rid of this stigma? How can we begin to educate mothers or just to make people see these children, not just lock them up away or treat them in a way that they're not humans? Yeah. Um, the truth is that, one, awareness has a big um, part to play. good thing is that obviously they've started creating awareness and when I say people started creating awareness, I'm talking about the cities like in Lagos, Abuja, Portacourt, you know, but Nigeria is a big country. We have about 36 states. The woman in the village that is frying Akara, if she has an autistic child or a child with special needs, does she know? So awareness is not just, oh, in my state or my street in Lagos or in this part of Lagos, uh, we, we know about autism or we have special schools. I'm talking about the inner cause of Nigeria, the hidden corners of Nigeria. How deep is this awareness? And so we need more education. We need to keep increasing, you know, from social media, telling people word of mouth campaigns. A lot of work has started in Nigeria and I really must commend most of the people, most of the people that, you know, educating on special needs so awareness mm. is one of it because if we are comparing mm. okay in the uk now um you know the councils they are responsible for education as well they have the people that are responsible for handling special needs education and it reaches even in the deepest parts of the of the counties you know so it's not just so for instance now let me say I live in Worcestershire now, for instance. It's not just people in Worcester now that have access to this edu- um, 
special needs care or education people even in the villages you know they can always reach out to the council and get the support they need for the education mm -hmm. of that child and so i think also we should be able to reach deep into that educating people that's one educating also from antenatal you know care you know teaching mothers how to interact with their children you know part of your you know part of your prenatal care and all you know they'll always encourage you get all these leaflets and packages after you've had your baby you know you had your baby here and you can so you know you get all these mm -hmm. leaflets and packages and how they'll be encouraging you to be able to interact with your um to your child you know mommy mommy baby clubs and all that we need to let our mothers know about all this as well, especially back at home in Nigeria and even in the villages. We need to actively teach them how to interact with their children and genuinely care for them. It's not just about feeding them the physical care, also the emotional care for that child. Mm. Educate. Educate the teachers. Educate mm. the teachers. Don't you remember in primary school, mm. if an I joined in singing the song too. Remember, if somebody doesn't get a question right, what song would they sing? Sing it. Do you remember? I can't remember the song now, but it's something to do. They'll say the person is a bolo or day or something. Oh, no, no, Rabata. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? There was all these slang. There was all these slang. They would say Olodo and all this yeah. stuff. So mm. the teachers need to be aware of that. If you, for instance, mm. school, do you have a special needs department? Do you have teachers that are trained to be able to teach these children mm. or to assess their mm. level of education? You know, because I want to teach our teachers on that one. Here in the UK, before a child has access to special school, that child needs what they call an educational health and care plan. In America, I think it's called an IEP, if I'm correct. But here in the UK, it's called EHCP. And so what that entails is that all the specialists, all the professionals that are involved in this child's care, care and well-being would bring their own input, bring their own assessment, okay? Even mom and dad, parents would write about, okay, for instance, John is my son. He was born this, 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 what John likes, what John doesn't like, you know, they'll tell you about that. Mm -hmm pediatrician will give his own assessment the speech and language will give their own assessment the occupational therapist will give their own assessment the, the teacher will give her, their own, her own assessment as well and so it's a compilation of every assessment and the need that is identified for that child Okay. Mm. i think i'm digressing from the question you've asked so I'm, I'm not at all not at all because as you're highlighting as There's you're highlighting the things that are done Mm. No, 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 because yeah, as you're highlighting what is being done here in the UK, mm. those are things like um, footprints of yeah. what we can also apply in Nigeria. So, yeah, yeah. So not everybody brings, the, because this child will not come and tell you, oh, this is what I need. So everybody mm. involved in that child's care will bring their own assessment. And then the need, the particular need for that child is the, whatever the needs particularly highlighted in that assessment is now drafted out and everybody has strategies to apply to, be mm. able to work towards achieving that need do you understand and then it's yeah. reassessed every year i think that's the same mm. thing that they do in america and there is a caseworker involved in mm. in, in the whole approach towards um, main, um, aiming at managing this need and so you mm. see that this child is not lost in the system Okay, now 
if we have this approach as well in Nigeria, that would be very, very commendable. You understand? Whether it's from the pri in the private schools or in the public schools, it would be very good to an extent so that there is something that is being, a child is not just lost, a child is not just growing up physically and then not developing or addressing the needs, for instance, the communication needs or emotional needs or the whole well-being of that child, you know. Because no. if they're able to identify this need, then they can apply the strategies that are in place for them to achieve the goals that have been highlighted. I think in the, the education, I don't know how the Ministry of Education, whether they have sectors uh, or, or departments that are working towards special needs children looking after us i don't know whoever has um, information or that they can let us know but i don't think i have seen children that have been actively um, followed up in nigeria except those that go private but the question is how many people can how many afford can afford you know, how many can afford private? I mean, it would be nice if our public schools have this. Uh, As well, 100%. So there's a lot, a lot of work that needs to be done. A lot to be of done. Work. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, I think, I think as, you, as you said, mm. awareness is the first thing. Yeah. Awareness that, okay, your child being this way doesn't mean that it's demonic because there was a, there was a time there was a, I watched a documentary where they say, oh, these children have witchcraft or there's something or this kind, you know, it's, so they attach superstition to the stigma. Yes. And then. Absolutely. I know that Nigeria, we are very, we are very, can be very superstitious to be honest with you. Yeah. So the, the, the yeah. yeah. The first thing it has to be awareness. That's the first thing, which you mentioned, and then we can start trying to find structures in place from the home front to the school system and yeah. now we can gradually and even the health health and care system and as the well. health and care system like you said when you talked about even the nurses how they interact with babies from the ward mm -hmm. you know so there is this overhaul really and it's all boils down to education and awareness and obviously mm -hmm. now implementing strategies but the first yeah. the education awareness from mm -hmm. the home front as a mom from the health sector and mm -hmm. from the education sector so the three yeah main structures really mm. that has to do over child's care another form of 100%. education is also the nannies that look after these children that is very important mm. there are many people that especially in nigeria there are now nanny agencies that are coming up they need mm. to train their nannies on special needs children it's very important train them again i say when i'm talking about special i'm not just focusing on autism even though it's autism i have dealt with for a long time but i'm talking about also down syndrome children with cerebral palsy you know they should t train them on how to genuinely care for these children we're teaching them on how to attain a level of independence their feeding even communication even some their school their homework play outside they need to train the nannies. It's very important because some nannies they can do maybe be overworked, and when they see a child throwing a tantrum, they will, day to day will get angry and smack that child, you know. So the child suffers on every ground. Mm. So it's very important, really. It's very important. Yeah. So um, what what just to round up our questions, what advice would you um give to a mom or dad that just found out that their child has autism? Okay. What, what 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 do you wish someone told you? Well, first of all, love your child with all your heart. Like love your child very well. It's not your fault. Because one thing that comes to the mind of parents is 
what did I do during pregnancy? Did I eat this? Did I take this medicine? Did I, you know, it's not your fault that autism came. And so be strong in that. It, it may be very difficult. Emotionally, it may be very difficult for some parents. I won't lie to you. Because I was able to cry and then I don't know what, I don't know how maybe God just gave me that strength immediately. So many people may mm. not come out of it. One, so it's not your fault. And so don't wallow in guilt. Or tr- even if you see yourself wallowing in guilt, try to practice some form of self-empathy and self-care. Mm. Love your child very well. Love your child. There are many parents that have struggled with this, especially when they see the, in quotes, negative part of autism. I, I don't want to say negative part of because we are the ones saying it as negative. Just challenges, basically. The challenges, the challenges associated with it. Challenges yeah. associated with it. Another thing is about the parents. A lot of parents divorce during mm. managing this autism. Are, I know about people that have left their spouses because they just can't deal. <laughs> basically, you know, and so that's where self-care as a parent is important. Taking out mm. time for yourself to care for yourself emotionally and physically to be able to mm. care for your child. Also taking out time with your spouses as well, because some parents, they just pour out themselves on the children and you see that their marriages or their partnership begins to wither down. And I can tell you from experience. So you have to learn how to care for your union as well. Mm. Because when you two are strong emotionally and physically, you're able to care for that child. You're able to put in your very best for that child. Mm. So educate yourself on autism. It's very important. Knowledge is power. Get all the books you can get. But... Learn with discernment. I remember when I just found out and I started reading up. I started watching a lot of YouTube videos. There were some things that added to me and some things that did not add to me. For instance, like, you know, when they say some people were linking autism to children having um, heavy metals and then some form of therapies, um, not evidence-based. You know, in America, they practice homeopathic medicine as well yeah yeah and so some things they were doing i don't think that would have been allowed in the uk or that we practice there get the books that you can read read on autism know about the educational system where you live know about how education um how the educational system is for children with special needs and even also learn on how to transition your child if possible to the mainstream schools if you can so knowledge is power mm. educate yourself mm. very well on how the system works on managing autism also there's something i tell myself and that has helped me i say my i tell myself that to the system my child is a statistic but to me my child is my child and so mm. i try to take responsibility. So for instance, if your child is waiting to be seen by the speech and language therapist, obviously, you know, the way the system is, NHS is, there's a long waiting list on almost every specialty. And so I won't sit down there waiting for the system to come. I'll go out of my way. For instance, if you can afford to have, go private on speech and language, by all means do. If you can't afford to, what 
techniques can you do? You can buy um, you can buy books and read on speech and language. There's some really concise book you can read on and apply these strategies. In fact, I even feel that we, the carers of these children, are the main speech and language therapists for these children because mm -hmm. we are, we are the one constantly, you know, communicating Being with them. With them. Yeah. so apply the strategies that they put in place you don't until nhs comes managers comes fine and good if they don't come don't just leave the child to waste while they're waiting um while they're waiting for for um the the therapist or whether occupational therapist start applying this for your child that will help your child mm. in a long way so yeah that's what i would say and just be kind to yourself sometimes we parents i know we have that there's this anxiety that comes with oh what's the future going to be for my child is he gonna is he gonna have a proper job like other children is he gonna be a professional just breathe breathe a day at a time. A day at a time. And that was a scripture that came to me that I walk by faith and not by sight. By faith and not mm. by what I am seeing now. And I tell you, Tony, right, looking after this boy, every day opens his own page. Like there's something mm. new to learn from him, you know? There's something new. Like I didn't even know my son was was that entertaining. During Christmas, he was singing, you know, Merry Christmas, everyone. I was like, yeah, is it is this you? <laughs> you know, and we're seeing this, this new side of the child, and mm. the world is beautiful. And with these children, they they make you see the world in a different way. That comes to mm. there was this documentary I watched about this British guy that. Could. He had a very sharp memory, and he could oh, yeah. make drawings, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Panorama, yes. It's Stephen Wiltshire. That his name. I can't remember. I can't remember his name, but I think it's Stephen. And they he went on an helicopter ride across New York, York and yeah. he was able to Draw. replicate exactly the. I was like, wow! I don't know which artist could do that. Do like that. it's almost. Do you understand? It was remarkable. It was remarkable. These children are just that's that's the thing. So if we start seeing the possibilities in them and help them develop that, you start seeing them bringing out their best selves. You understand? I was even told mm. that in um, what's the name of this? Uh, it's all them Google, all these Google, Microsoft, all this that they like mm -hmm. people with autism because of their good figures, their configuration, mm -hmm. and all that. I say, hey, hey, God. Let that one be my first one. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, but you know this um um climate change activist Greta Thunberg. Greta, yeah. She's got autism as well, and it just makes yeah. and that is why for her, you know how we humans can rationalize. Oh yeah, the climate is you know, and we just carry on. She's seeing the urgency. She's looking at the facts and saying, "Listen, guys, we need to wake up." Wake up. Wake up. It takes a special mind to do yeah. that. It takes yeah. a special mind to yeah. do that. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, I, like when I just when when you start talking about autism, I, you know, start seeing children in different light. I tell you, these are the little things that we take for granted, but once we start seeing it, we start to appreciate mm. them and love them to our very best. This is just a good place to wrap up because it's just you poured out your heart, and I can see that you actually passionate and i'm glad i didn't even have to ask you 
what are the positives? Automatically, by default, you were just telling me the positive from your experience, from your journey, how yeah. your son has made you a better version of yourself, yeah. how your yeah. son has made you appreciate the life in a different light. Like you're yeah. pausing to actually see life. You, you're not just going, 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 going. You know? And that's what a lot of us do. And it's like, we don't slow down, you know? Absolutely. And, Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, thanks for sharing so much. Honestly, thanks for sharing. Thank that. We really appreciate you. We normally end the podcast with three things, with three questions. Um, So it's a sentence, and I just want you to finish the sentence in your own words. Being a mom has done what for you? Being a mom has? Oh, it has made me a better version of me. It has made me, I'm now more loving. I'm telling you, you know, as a single girl, Mm. you're just... Just you don't care about anybody. You just want to live your life, you know. Where's the next bedroom? Let's go, you know. <laughs> now, seeing these children, like, they just teach you how to be patient, how to be, mm-hmm. how to be kind. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just I don't know. It's just made me a better me, honestly. I I wouldn't want to be any other. I just love being their mommy. You know, I love being. Oh. Their, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I feel happiest when I when I, I feel play, happiest when when I play like a child. My dear, working in the healthcare sector, you know how we can be but when I just let go and play like a child. I am I, I you just see knew me. See knew me, really. Just the other day I was playing in the garden. You see me running like a child, playing football with, with this little <laughs> like <laughs> the happiest when I play like a child. Just little things of life, really. If you could tell five-year-old Chinean something in hindsight, now what what would you tell her? Be patient mm. and be confident. Yes, mm. be patient and be confident. Because as children, we feel like we are missing out on adulthood. We can't wait to be adults. <laughs> you know. Reach the choir. Tell me. Because like we're rushing. We're rushing. Just be patient. Enjoy that phase. Don't worry. Mm. And don't be ashamed to be a child. Enjoy being a child. Enjoy it. It's a gift. Childhood is a gift. Mm. Enjoy it. Mm. So yeah, that's what I would tell little Chinenge. (laughs) And maybe a little bit of learn some political correctness. Because me, that time, Ah. my mouth just goes... (laughs) <laughs> well, to just go like this and I can't take my mouth back so a sprinkle of political correctness oh man oh man this has been yeah. such an amazing conversation my hope is that for children with special needs from autism to cerebral palsy especially in developing countries my hope is that the next few years we make a significant shift Absolutely. In the right direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. One more thing I wanted to talk about, I wanted to mention, because mm-hmm. in the developing countries, most of us spend our time like in churches or in the mosque, mm-hmm. you know, our religious leaders are almost like our big leaders. They need to know, they need to have departments that are responsible mm. after children with special needs. Very important. So that's an angle I never thought of, but that actually makes perfect sense. Mm. So if we're approaching this from the education sector, the teachers, we're approaching it from the healthcare sectors with the healthcare professionals, we're educating parents, then the next part is actually the religious institution because in developing countries, as you said, 
they play a huge role. Very huge. You know? They play a very huge role. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Oh, that's a, that's right. a good point. Thank you so much, Leanne. Thank you, Thank for, you for joining me. us today. Thanks for having me, Tony. Okay. It's a pleasure and I really appreciate this. If you liked today's episode, please show us some love by sharing, leaving a comment or a review on our various platforms. It will mean so much to us. Till next week, keep thriving, mummies.